0: Well, welcome to the chapel for the Orange County Fair. Thanks for <laughs> pulling in here. I get distracted. I forget about the fair when I come. And uh, I was in that regular turn lane, you know, to come in here. But uh, there are all these cones blocking the entrance. And, but, you know, it looked like they had just created just enough space for my Prius. So I went for it which caused quite a flurry among the parking attendants who were then rushing to, so I apologize uh, to them, and uh, I, think, I think we're supposed to come in over here somewhere, okay. People in the front row are putting their hands up, so they don't know either, but. Well, uh, we're walking with Jesus in ordinary time, and you know, it doesn't get much more ordinary than today's passage, all right? A woman is hosting a gathering, and she's overwhelmed with everything she must do. She's stressed out, and she comes to Jesus with a complaint about her sister who's not helping. We learn from Jesus that she is upset and bothered by many things. That's pretty ordinary time. The daily stresses that come with just trying to get through a day. And I'm kind of proud of our scriptures for including something as mundane as this. Someone just being upset over everything they have to do. And I'm also surprised how modern this passage is because I think you and I, live these kinds of lives on a daily basis, right? You ask someone how they're doing, and among the half dozen standard responses is, I'm really busy. And sometimes they mean I'm really stressed. Sometimes they say I'm really stressed. So this is our lives. Now, of course, it's not just that we're busy, right? Because busyness is really not primarily the problem. We live in time, And in time, there is just one thing after another, right? I do this, then I do this, then I do this. And a certain amount of occupation, to be occupied with things, is not a bad thing. Um, In fact, the opposite would be a problem, to feel like we had nothing to do, nothing to contribute, nothing that mattered. So it's not really busyness that's the problem, right? The problem is kind of the, the weight that comes sometimes with each thing. The kind of anxiety or fear about that thing. So it's not just that I have to go to class and then I have to drive to work and then I have to prepare for an evening event. No, it's that in going to class, I'm a little stressed about when I'm going to find time to do the homework. And in going to work, I'm a little stressed if I'm gonna have the resources that day to succeed in it. And in hosting the evening event, I'm a little worried that not everyone will be pleased with it or have a good time. You see, it is not just busyness that's a problem here, it's what what I would call weighted busyness. Each thing comes with a weight, some kind of anxiety or fear or concern about the outcome. So it's the weighted busyness of life that makes it difficult and that makes us bothered and upset about many things in Jesus' words. So what's happening in this chapter is Jesus is heading toward Jerusalem and the harvest is great, but the workers are few, so he's commissioned 72 disciples to go out and help with the work of ministry. And he says, by the way, as you go, and apparently they're kind of going house to house, village to village, um, if somebody gives you hospitality, take it eat and drink there and bless that place. And so what we have today is exactly that. They've come to the house of sisters Mary and Martha, sisters of Lazarus, and there's some hospitality taking place. And we are dropped right into the middle of that story. And the picture, of course, is that Martha is busy with some kind of preparations. We're not told what, but we assume the kind of preparations that would come with a gathering. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus which would be unusual uh, for a woman to take that role of kind of an obvious disciple. But there she is, in any event. And of course, we know it's a short little uh, account. Martha comes to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha's upset and she's asking Jesus to intervene. Now you know, as I was reading this, I, I begin to notice, in, or I begin at least call to mind, in other places of Scripture, how slow Jesus is sometimes to intervene in conflicts between people. He just doesn't jump in. I mean, I was thinking of the uh, in just a couple chapters later in Luke 12. You know, there's a fellow who says, "Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me." So interestingly, we have brothers this time instead of sisters. Um, and Jesus replies, you know, rather, I don't know, a little bit salty. Um, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? All right, so he's not going to step in. And then he says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kind of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. When the mother of James and John comes to Jesus, right, and asks her uh, to ask him to place her sons on his left and his right in the kingdom. And when the other disciples hear about this request and get upset, Jesus doesn't intervene. He just stands up and starts teaching about what greatness in the kingdom of God is and isn't. So true to form here, Jesus is asked to intervene in a family dispute and he's slow to do so, and instead he goes for what is going on in the heart of Martha. Because we see, Martha is not just occupied, she's not just busy, she is preoccupied. And I was thinking about that wor- word this week, preoccupied. That's a strange word. I mean, how can you be preoccupied if you're already occupied? If you're occupied, how can you be, have a preoccupied? But, but, but we are. We are occupied, but then there's often, a, we're occupied underneath the occupying. We are preoccupied. It's not only the task we have, but there's some other thing going on that we have to manage. And of course, we're told that Martha was distracted, and I think that, what does that mean? She was preoccupied. There was something else she was managing beneath her occupation. She was doing two things at once. Managing the tasks and then managing something that was going on in her heart. And so Jesus, true to the proverbial sage, wants to watch over Martha's heart because her life just flows from that. Watch over your hearts with all diligence. What is preoccupying you? The pre is the heart. But that heart just flows out even into diaconia ministry, which is what we're told she's doing. She is busy with the diaconia of the household that day, from which we get our word deacon. And so Jesus looks at her, and he says, Martha, Martha, you are upset and bothered by so many things. And the repetition of the name tells us that Jesus has somehow kind of moved, right? That's a little signal. When Jesus says someone's name twice, he's really zeroing in on her. Now, he didn't go to her. She came to him. But now that she's come to him, he's like, Martha, Martha, what is going on here? And, you know, I, I don't know. We don't know what's going on in Jesus. But, I, you know, knowing Jesus from other passages, we know it's probably some mix of compassion and sorrow. Kind of, oh, Martha, Martha. You are bothered by so many things. And I think we can say that Jesus doesn't want her to live this way. That's part of what the kind of... Uh, concern Jesus has, not only for her sake, but of course, when we are preoccupied, when we are anxious, we are easy prey for the devil because we will do or say anything to lift the burden of the pre, the anxiety of the trouble. Jesus wants Martha to experience the weighted busyness of life a little bit differently. So what would be the opposite of that? What would be the opposite of bothered and upset by many things. Well, I think we would probably, people would say it's some type of confidence and calm amid the busyness of life. Well, the biblical word for that is peace. That's what the biblical word for that would be. The ability to maintain some kind of peace of heart amid the weighted busyness of life. And so John 14, 27, of course, this is in the context of the anxiety of Jesus talking about his death with the disciples. But in John fourteen twenty seven he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives it. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. That is Jesus' word to those of us who are preoccupied and troubled. Not just occupied. It's okay to be occupied. It's okay to be busy. But to be preoccupied. I don't think we can underestimate the power and importance of the fruit of the spirit that is peace. Peace of heart. I think it is a worthy north star for our lives to seek. Now we don't know exactly what Martha was experiencing. Uh, Clearly she was overwhelmed and inadequate and and I love sometimes that the scriptures kind of keep things a little bit vague here. Because I think what it forced us to do is ask, well, I'm not exactly sure what Martha was experiencing. Clearly she was overwhelmed, feeling inadequate to the task at hand. And we don't know what else was part of the pre, you know, rivalry with sister, you know, all the family dynamics, that's that's complicated. We don't know. So what we have to do in the scriptures is we have to think, what would that be for me? (laughs) You know, what robs my peace of heart in the weighted busyness of life? Well, I I think there's plenty, right? (laughs) There's plenty of possibilities here. All of us carry, at some level, a fear of rejection. A fear that we won't be accepted. We want to be noticed. And, of course, that's increasingly hard now in, um, in a world in which the competition to be noticed, to feel valued, is so um, stiff with social media and media comparisons. We want to be accessible, successful, of course, and this is a good thing. And yet there are so many obstacles in the way to being successful, other people included. I would like to experience everything that everyone says is so wonderful to experience, but I'm only one person with a limited budget. I would like to solve the problems of all my family and friends who are suffering. I would like to have a different hand than the one I've been dealt. I think in all these things, many of them good things, We very quickly confront our limits. We forget that we are only human. And I think Jesus would be even more understanding in our time when the bar for everything is just so high. I mean, everything appearance, success, health, simply for things to go well because we think they're going well for everyone else. And so maybe we're experiencing some version of what Martha's experiencing this sense of just general inadequacy in life. We're stressed. We're stressed. So one way to fight this battle, of course, one way to attain peace of heart is by being enough, right? So if I can just do it all, oh my gosh, that would go away if I could just be adequate. But it never seems to be possible. It never seems to be possible to do enough or at least to guarantee success or guarantee health or guarantee adequacy or guarantee resources. I mean, I work pretty hard at being successful. And I think I'm called to be as successful as I can be at the work I've been given. But you know, I don't really have the budget, frankly, to succeed in what I do. I mean, that's a serious obstacle. And I'm sometimes not admitted to the right networks of people who can hear my voice. That is a serious obstacle. And dang it, it's true, in some ways I lack the talent in some areas. So if I'm trying to find peace of heart by by being enough in all these areas, well, (laughs) you know, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Peace of heart is not going to happen solely through the aid of our human efforts. And if we move the battle to that territory, we are fighting it on the devil's ground and he has already won. If he can just get us to, to fight on that land, the attempt to be adequate... He's, he's already won. This is what Mar- Martha's doing, right? Martha's, Martha's trying to do, all her, uh, do this with her own human efforts, and then she wants to pull in Mary to more human effort. She's trying to do it all through human effort, whether hers or someone else's. Now if she had said maybe, "Hey Lord, can I switch places with Mary for a little bit? Could she come and do this, and can I sit at your feet?" Well, I think this might have been a different conversation with Jesus.) <laughs> But Martha's like all about well, I think we just I just need more human effort. I need more people to cooperate, dang it. Well, Jesus doesn't intervene because he knows that Martha's stress cannot be solved by mere human effort. The occupy may be, but the pre cannot be. That is not going to be met. Peace of heart will not come solely through the aid of human industry. So what he gives her is Mary, but he really is pointing to himself. And all we get here, frankly, is an image. (laughs) We don't get a lot of explanation. We get the picture of Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus, which Jesus says is the one necessary thing. And I want to add, in life. (laughs) That seems to be the implication. This is the one necessary thing. The message puts it this way, Mary sat before the master hanging on every word he said. That is the picture we are supposed to meditate on, maybe for the rest of our lives. What is in this image? It's been a huge passage in the history of spirituality, sometimes from different writers, Mary has represented the contemplative way, the contemplative life, Martha's uh, represented the active life, Uh, But we know that Jesus is not saying that we all just need to engage in some type of ceaseless meditation, right? I mean, even in the context of this passage, Jesus has sent out the disciples into a very active life. They are on the road. They are moving from place to place. This clearly can't be the message of people who are somehow sitting in some kind of posture of constant stillness. So what is this? What is he pointing to? Well, at the risk of being reductive, and like I said, this is something for you to meditate on and let the Spirit teach you what this image means. But I'll start you off. I wanna suggest four things that Jesus seems to be pointing to about how we find peace of heart with him in the weighted busyness of life. Here's the first one if you're taking notes. Peace will come to the degree that we have let Jesus be our first audience. Mary is sitting before Jesus and in this picture we see Mary absorbed in Jesus as her audience. The truth is, of course, we can't do everything. We can't be everything. And Jesus says, bring that burden to me. My burden is light. Jesus has room for our finitude, our smallness. He has room for our weakness and for our failure. Perhaps if we can just keep Jesus in view and the space he has for that, We would not feel so inadequate. So the image of Mary at the feet of Jesus is an image of attention to him, a gaze upon him. It is what the spiritual writers have called a practicing of his presence. You will sometimes hear Jesus' name on the lips of many people. Jesus, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, that's not exactly the way we want to do it. But we do want to have his name on our lips throughout the day. Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus hasten to help me, or as Jesus himself suggests, Abba. Abba. You know, I read this week that we are most heavily influenced by our five closest friends, or at least the five people around whom we are most. It's true, by the way, in school, uh, we're told that if students hang out with other students who study more, they will study more. (laughs) Jesus needs to be one of our five closest friends. Let me just tell you that. You need to count him as one of your five closest friends. You need to let his attention to you, his peace, his confidence influence you daily. He needs to be one of your five closest friends. What would that look like for you? That's the first. Peace of heart is attained by practicing the presence of Jesus, by attending to him, by letting him be this major person in our daily life. The second is that Mary sitting at Jesus' feet is not just an enjoying of his presence, but a willingness to respond to his words to us. A willingness to do what he asks. You know, Jesus is gonna ask us far fewer things than the world is going to ask us for. He's not gonna be ask us to be as successful as Mark Zuckerberg, right? As hilarious as Tina Fey, as successful or athletic as LeBron. Or as cool and attractive as whoever you think is cool and attractive. <laughs> right? He is going to ask us to do some very difficult things. He's going to ask us to forget people we don't want to forgive. To love people that aren't lovable. Be patient with people who are in our way. Mostly to trust him. Those are very, very difficult things. He's going to ask us to do some hard things. And I tell you, we must be convinced that he wants to give us life. (laughs) In order to do what he says, we must be convinced that what he says, I have come to give you life, we absolutely must be convinced of that. Because you cannot have peace of heart if you are resisting the few things that Jesus is asking you to do. (laughs) It will be hard to find peace of heart if you are resisting or avoiding Jesus' call to you. But if it's something you feel like you just can't do, here's how the conversation goes with Jesus. Lord, I can't stop being angry about this. Jesus says, I know. And then he says, let's do it, okay? And then we say, okay. (laughs) We need to have goodwill for peace of heart. Goodwill is the willingness to do what Jesus asks. In whatever capacity we have, he will help us. But besides attending to the presence of Jesus, the second thing is to have goodwill in our relationship with him. To do what he asks us to do. And when we can't, we're told in a passage we talked about earlier this summer, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. And in that passage, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come and help you. So for peace of heart, We need to attend to the presence of God and we need to exercise goodwill in what he calls us to do. And the third thing we need to do, third thing the picture of Mary before Jesus suggests, is we need to accept ourselves as we are today. And in doing so, we're simply practicing the acceptance that Jesus offers us. I tell you, the inability to accept yourself can lead you on some wild goose chases. It can lead you to false calls Things like you feel like you have to do because you need to be someone else. Experience what someone else is experiencing. You need to not be yourself. The desire not to be ourselves is huge. (laughs) I want to be someone else. And this will involve us in so many rabbit trails. So much that we'll be bothered and upset by. So much or many ways that we'll seek to distract ourselves even in our busyness. In fact, often not wanting to be ourselves is the cause of our busyness. We want to experience everyone else's success rather than what God has given us to succeed in. So the third thing I think we see Mary doing is just letting herself be received by Christ. We need to accept ourselves. It doesn't mean we don't need to strive for holiness, strive for growth, But where we are at today, we need to accept because Jesus does. And so the fourth thing, and this is the hardest, for the kind of peace of heart that I think we see exercised by Mary in another place in scripture, we need to abandon all of our cares and concerns to God. This is Mary hanging on every word of Jesus, not just the commands, but the promises. We need to really believe that we can abandon our lives to God. In all of our uncertainty, in all of our inability to make things happen to guarantee outcomes. For the peace of heart that is the opposite of Martha's upset and bothered preoccupation, we must believe that we can abandon these things to God who loves us and is powerful. So listen to these verses. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Or the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. But I have to, or I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Or we know all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Or in Isaiah, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Or Psalm 23, surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is essentially learning to trust, a placing of total confidence in God. You know, a lack of trust was the original sin. That's what it was. That's where Satan had them. If they could just mistrust God for a moment, that will send them off into a life of busyness, bother, and upset, a preoccupied life attempting to secure their existence apart from him. Our job is to reverse that, is to learn from Jesus how to trust him. This can look like conversation, intercession, simply placing ourselves quietly in his presence. It can look like coming to him like Martha does with all of our upset and busyness and preoccupation. Or it can look like sitting quietly at his feet like Mary does. But I'll tell you, daily prayer will be the crucial element in learning to trust God. And this takes us back to the beginning. Practicing the presence of Jesus. You know, people around us don't make it easier. Everyone's in some kind of anxiety. Our five closest friends, if they're anxious people, are influencing us. But our gift to them is not to compound their anxiety. And we might say, wow, this feels like a very internal message, it's not. People around us need people who are discovering some measure of peace and confidence in the Lord. It's hard to measure the impact of a person growing in trust on those around them. But I think we ought not underestimate the impact of a person who is finding peace on the people around them. You know, it's like the surface of a lake. When a surface of a lake is calm, it more easily and perfectly reflects the sun. But when it's agitated and undulated, it's hard to see it there. St. Seraphim, a Russian saint of of sorrow, famously said, acquire interior peace and a multitude will find its salvation through you. Russians are typically hyperbolic and exaggerated, but we might try it to see if we can bring salvation to others through pursuing peace of heart. Jesus seemed to think this was important enough. God seemed to think it was important enough to put this story right here in a very ordinary moment of daily agitation and then to say, this is the one necessary thing. So today, if you're worried and upset about many things, know that you can come to Jesus and learn from him, producing a peace that brings life to you and those around you. And I want you this morning to take this image of Mary before the feet of Jesus and just carry it with you in your heart, and let the Holy Spirit teach you what that means.